So you've reached the age of zero energy, zero sex drive, and zero weight loss, and you wake up every morning with aches and pains. You're not alone. There is help with Nava Health. Nava Health's technology-driven approach goes beyond symptoms to find the root cause. Nava medical experts will create a customized plan to help you feel your best at every age. Visit navacenter.com forward slash POD to learn more or call 855-680-6282 today. Don't put off feeling as good as you can. Call 855-680-6282. Results may vary.
Welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It is Sunday, July 1st, 2018. And first off, I have to wish my daughter a happy 24th birthday. The love of my life. She's getting married in a few weeks. We're all excited. So happy birthday, Catherine. Hey, we got a great show for everybody tonight. Tasso from Atrocity is our guest. Uh, only one guest today. Usually we have two, sometimes three. But uh, this month, we kind of kept it to one. Catch up on some music and just kind of take it easy during the summer months. So, you know, internet uh, radio, the summer months are kind of like a downtime. Most people are out enjoying themselves and don't really listen live. They'll tune into the podcast later on. But we're going to keep on going here throughout the summer. And we got a great bunch of guests coming up for the month of July. We'll announce them all on the Facebook page this week. Right there, Raven would take control. Some old school Raven. I mean, they put out a killer record. I think it was 2015 Extermination came out. So it's been a couple of years for those guys. Uh, it was five years between Walk Through Fire and that record, so maybe next year or the year after that we'll get a new album. They've been pretty quiet for the last few months. Went out and did a lot of touring over the last year or so. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Joe Hasselvan, that he's been out of the band for a while due to illness. Uh, it's been quite a long time now, and I've heard from somebody else in the grapevine that Joe was uh, pretty sick with something. I don't know why, so we wish him the best of luck, and hopefully he can get better. It's not something, you know, permanent or life-threatening and get back behind the kid again. Joe's a great friend of the show. We've had him on him many times, talking about Raven and the House of House of Vander and so many other bands that he's been a part of over the decades. So the best of luck with him in that. All right, we're going to keep the music flowing here. We'll get to Tasso in about a half hour or so. Uh, we have, I think we have a couple of new things to get to tonight. Uh, I was going to play some of the new D. Schneider, but really there's nothing special about it, to be honest with you. It's not horrible. It's not bad. Uh, it's better than the last record, but it's just, you know, one of the mill stuff that doesn't really grab me. But if we can, maybe we'll get to it. Let's keep the old school music going right now. His boss, kick ass rock and roll. <laughs>
Right, some heathen going back to 1987 for the Break in the Silence record. Love that record. Such a big fan of the band. I mean, you know, I, I think it was David Gottfried that sang on the first record, Breaking the Silence, and David White joined maybe a year or two after that, I believe, because he was on the Victim of Deception record from 91, which is another good record by the band. Had a had a little different vibe with him on vocals, but still solid music. And, you know, they kind of disappeared after, I think it was like around 93, maybe two years after the album came out that they broke up. But they did get back together in 2001, and it's been kind of on and off since that time. You hear about things with them, then you don't hear for a long time. The Evolution of Chaos, I think, came out in 2010. So it's been eight, almost nine years since that record actually came out. No new music by the band since that time. So we'll see what happens. A killer band from the San Francisco Bay Area. All right, we're going to get the interview with Tasso in about 15 minutes or so. We'll play a few more tunes between now and then. You know, I, after I moved into my new home, we built a new studio for the radio show. I brought out all my magazines and my books that I wasn't able to store in the old house because it was too small. And I've been going through all my old Metal Forces issues. There were a couple that I was missing from over the years, so I've been buying them on eBay, always trying to. And two that I was trying to get for a long time was uh, number five, which had King Diamond on the cover. I had an album cover painted. I had the, that picture for that painted on my jacket. I'm sorry that I had King Diamond signed back in like 83 or 84 when they first came to America. And I was looking for uh, issue number three, which had Metallica on the cover. I finally got that one. Paid a lot of freaking money for them on eBay. But, you know, I love reading these old issues with these bands. And, you know, most of the bands that were in these magazines today, you know, they've been on my show multiple times. We became good friends over the years. And sometimes you read these interviews back then and you say to yourself, what were these guys thinking when they were talking? I mean, I know the 80s was like an anything type of goes decade. We thought this music would never die. Everything was just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. And all these bands that were like on the cusp of breaking it was going to happen pretty soon. So you hear them talking like with such attitude and such conviction. And like, they say some pretty off the wall of stupid shit. And like, I know these guys today. And I'm like, you know, you remember when you said this? And they were like, yeah, I, was, I don't know what I was thinking at that time. And it's like some crazy shit that they did in these interviews. So I was thinking, like, maybe we should go through some of these like old Metal Forces magazines and read a couple of paragraphs from different interviews. I was reading uh, from, from issue number three with uh, Metallica on the cover. There's an interview with Yingze Malmstein. Like, he's always been kind of dicky and full of himself anyway. But man, when you read the stuff he was saying, <laughs> about different things I couldn't help but laugh so maybe a little later we'll do a couple of more songs and after the interview we'll read a couple of uh, questions that were asked him during the interview and some of his answers they're actually pretty funny and some of them I think if Black Lives Matter got a hold of it they'd be protesting this next show but we'll get to that in a little while let's keep some music flowing right here you know one of my bands that I love say what you want about them is Night Ranger and it's the 4th of July this Wednesday so no better time to play you can still rock in America
sound great on there. I mean, people forget sometimes that Atrocity has been around for like over 30 years, and you've been with the band since the early 90s. Yeah, yeah, it's um, I think Alex and me, I, I don't think I've been together with any women as long as we've been. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, when I joined the band, I was uh, 19, that was in 93, 94, so that's really a, a long time, and we've, we've done a lot of uh, different things through the years, like my, my first tour ever was a Euro- European tour with Obituary and Pitch Shifter in 93, 94. And um, I mean, especially here in Germany, we did uh, a lot of things which were really big success, like uh, the records we did. Um, it's like, if I see sometimes how many albums we sold back then, which were still record selling was possible, that's insane. I mean, it must be close to 100,000. And um, we did a lot of worldwide touring and a lot of experimental things also. We always were into the extreme side. And, and like uh, really exciting and now with this one this is like the, the, the core thing that, that the band is rooted in um, extreme metal and really um, not just straightforward I mean this is still stuff that will be very difficult to play live <laughs> but um, it's, it's also you can uh, you can uh, remember riffs you can remember uh, choruses and refrains so that's I think is very nice because uh, that's not with every extreme metal band that you can remember nowadays the riffs or, or get into it like you can shout along. I think that's also very nice, very nice thing and character about the album. I, I agree. It's true, like you said, you and Alex have been playing together for forever. I mean, was, yeah. was there like an instant yeah. chemistry the time you first met the play, or was it something that kind of built up over the last couple of decades? Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, we. We know each other since ages, and uh, then you have this, uh, and we also, we have a very good uh, balance, like Alex is, um, uh, of course, he's taking care of the um, production, like um, for the mix and the mastering, and he has a very good sense for uh, drums and rhythm, and also um, um, very good for um uh, how to arrange songs, arrangements in general, and I'm of course from the more melodic side and the guitarist and kind of riff ideas. So that that has always been very um, like a yin and yang situation. So we always complement each other very well. It, it, it does work. And, you know, when you think about it, also over the over the decades with uh, Atrocity, the band is experimenting yeah. in a lot of different styles and sounds of music. Was that something that yeah. was intentional with this band where you said, you know what, we just don't want to be known as you know, an extreme band and some people said you were a grindcore band and, a, and this kind of band. Was it always like an open concept band? Um, we always followed what we wanted to do musically and uh, the reason why we still do this band and why it was founded was uh, the love for music. And uh, we were never like satisfied just like let's say if you eat food uh, eating everyday pizza whenever there was an exciting idea we followed it and of course that made it sometimes maybe difficult um well we we were like in the 90s we we did a kind of crossover thing with uh the german electronic band das ich which was never before there we were the first bands which played like also an electronic festivals in the mid 90s 
in the start of atrocity, it was very unusual because it was super complex, like on hallucinations and total senses. Uh, it has a very special vibe, which basically was um, recorded in America, the first album, Hallucinations, very sound studio. And uh, so we always try to not repeat ourselves and come up with something new. And um, I think that also um, made Atrocity the way it used to be, like not a, a typical band, which has like 10 albums out and they all sound the same. But it's more like every album um, was from the heart and followed the line what we wanted to do musically. And now we feel cold. It's clear it's the, the dark and extreme side of, of the band in, in all aspects. It's true. I understand what you're saying because a band like Iron Maiden will put out, you know, a good record, but the same sounding record every time, and you know it's Iron Maiden. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. great for the fans because they get exactly what they want album after album. With what you yeah. guys do, it's like you're kind of writing for yourselves and hoping that, you know, the fans are going to come along or you'll find a new audience for each different sound that you create. Although, even if you listen to Iron Maiden, I mean, that's the beauty of music. It's not just like a typical heavy metal band. You find prog rock elements in Iron Maiden, maybe even a few punk elements. And I think that's also important for music. Like, if uh, I'm not saying you do, you shouldn't do always the same. And um, I'd like to be open-minded and, and um, get new influences into the music that keeps it fresh and, and flourishing. True. Sure. And... Uh, Let's say as a guitarist, we used to have that um, 
um, a regular amp could never be replaced. Now we have like a, an era where camper uh, amps are coming, like people go more digital. And it's all depending on if you use the technique um, to make something great or if you just get a slave of the technical aspect and the, the technique leads you to where you maybe don't want to go. And we're always trying to know we use the technique, we use the good aspects, but it's supposed to sound like humans. I think that's, that's very important. Um, and also like, I mean, in the studio you can um, sometimes uh, cheat and do this and that. Basically it, it comes to, when you see a band live, you know if, if there's really something behind it or not. <laughs> But of course, also in the studio you hear it. If something is played human and not just edited, that's something that uh, is different. So I guess it's easier to put out something now, but the danger is much more to sound like everybody else. And sure. you have to make sure that you come up with something um, that has character or inspiration, you know, something um, for its own. Yeah. True. Uh, I mean, are you open to technology? Are you will are you, like you excited to move along when new things come out and experiment and try them, or are you kind of like old yeah. school where you say, you know, I I don't want to learn something new today? No, we're we're always excited about uh, new stuff, and I mean, when it's 2018, then uh, you should also make an album like it is from 2018, I think. Um, so we're always excited. I'm excited about old amplest tires as a guitarist and guitars, as well as the new stuff. So in the end, it matters what, what kind of vision you have and what you want to hear and where you want to go to. And um, as long as you have that vision and you use what you think uh, fits, I think it's, it's fine. It's perfect. But yeah. if, you, they, if you get lost just in an ivory tower of technique, then it's... Um, then you can could get lost. And I think it's important to have a vision where you want to go to. Yeah, it's true. Tasso, you think uh, Leaves Eyes is going to make it to the U.S. Uh, this year after the European tour or next year? Is, is it a possibility? Yeah, I'm pretty optimistic and positive that we will be in 2019 back in the U.S. I mean, we've, uh, it's always been a pleasure to play uh, U.S. and Canada, meeting uh, great people. And, um, yeah, we always like to come back. So I'm pretty sure we will be back in 2019. <laughs> uh, that'll be great. And, and um, most likely also with the trust team. I don't want to say too much, but we're working on, on those things. So you can expect a lot also in the life sector uh, from the trust team and yourself. Oh, that's going to be fantastic. Hey, Tasso, I'm not going to keep you. I appreciate you talking with me today. You did a fantastic job on this new record, and I can't wait you guys to make a hit to the U.S. so I can hear these songs live, because to me, that's where it's all at, is watching you guys perform these songs in front of me on a stage. Thank you, Tasha. Have a great night. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.
Hobbs, Angel of Death, Walk My Path. Peter Hobbs had to cancel the shows last year. He set up in America uh, because he has some heart problems. Uh, I don't know if the ban is non-existent anymore, if he just can't travel or he's going to do things locally. We'll have to see what happens with Peter. All right, we're going to keep the music flowing here. How about some Dungeon Season of the Witch?
from 83 and 84. The band was around for about four, maybe five years before that. I think they got started in, I think it was even more than that. I think it was the early 70s. I think it was around 73 or 74 that the band got together. So they had a lot of years under their belt, but they put out their first demo, Give Him Hell, in, in 79, and that was the title of their first record. Uh, those records had a different singer on that. I believe Steve Bridges was a singer on Give Him Hell and Stage Fright. Both records came out in 1980. Solid records. I still play them till today. A little different sound than band, but most people got into them when the Cloak and Dagger record came out with Luther on vocals. He became the singer of the band that most people know and remember. Uh, when Lords of Sin came out a year later, uh, it, it kind of fell flat and didn't really go anywhere. And I think the band kind of broke up right around the same time or right after that. And a lot of times these records were recorded and the band actually was already broken up, but you know the labels had a hold of it and they released the albums anyway. And I know there was a reunion in 99 before they officially got back together in 2001. Luther Belch wasn't a part of that. I believe Harry Harrison or Hamlin, I don't remember his name. I want to say it was Harry Harrison. He sang on The Witching Hour and played to death from 2001 to 2008. And right after that, Luther rejoined the band. He's a great guy. We've had him on the show before. A real fun guy to talk to. Very interesting. A lot of cool stories. And uh, But nothing new uh, as far as music or recording goes with him back in the band now for over eight years, nine years. So hopefully, which fine will get it together and put out some brand new music. All right, let's play one new tune, and then we'll read a couple of passages from a Yingve Mountain interview from like 30 years ago, and we'll laugh a little bit. Satan has a brand new record coming out on Metal Blade. Their last two since getting back together 
were just as good as the stuff they did in the early days. They just sound amazing. And I know the going out on tour again and the coming back here to the U.S. and the going to be in uh, Brooklyn, New York. I saw them there quite a few years ago when they reunited and got back together for the first time. So I'm looking forward to seeing them again. But Life Sentence, a solid record. Added by Adam from 2015. Great. The new one, Crew Magic, picks up with those two left off. Let's play some brand new music by the band. Here's the Doomsday Clock.
about as good as it gets. Satan, the Doomsday Clock. The album comes out on Metal Blade Records. I want to say, I know it's September. Uh, let me see. I know I have it written down here from the press release they sent out. September 7th, it comes out on Metal Blade Records. But people say that, you know, you can't sound fresh, but yet have that classic sound. They're 100% wrong because Satan has done it for three albums. And I think this one is better than the last three. And they were great albums. All right, let's, uh, like I said before, I was reading Metal Force Edition number three uh, with uh, James Hessel on the cover, and there's an interview there with Yngwie Malmsteen. And, you know, we always know he's kind of dicky and it talks a lot of shit, but I just read some of the stuff and I was laughing. Maybe it's just me, you let me know, but I read a couple of paragraphs from here, or, or I should say a couple of answers to some of the questions that were given to him by K.J. Doughton back in the day. Uh, the first one was, why did you choose Blackmore as a sole influence during your youth? So Yingve says, the whole thing started out when I got my first guitar when I was five years old, but I never really played it until I was seven. When I saw the TV program with Jimi Hendrix and I saw him burning the guitar and all that stuff, that motivated me to stop playing. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was seven years old, I don't really know if I was watching TV and Jimi Hendrix burning a guitar. I don't know if that was on TV back then. Maybe where he came from it was, but not here in the U.S. So moving on, that motivated me to stop playing. And from that time on, when I was seven, I played and I played all the time. Two years later, I got Deep Purple's Fireball for my birthday, and that turned me into a Richie Blackmore fanatic. From then on, so to speak, I started to learn all the things that he had done. I kept on doing that stuff till around 77. And from the day I started all the Rising Force shit, I didn't listen to Blackmore at all. I went from a whole fanatic thing about Blackmore towards hating him. I hated everything about Richie Blackmore. Now I kind of like him. I respect him for what he is, but I don't respect him for being a guitar player. I don't think he can play anymore. Now he's talking about Richie Blackmore not being able to play guitar anymore back in 84. Even today, a 70-something years old, he'll blow away 90% of the people playing guitar, but that, that's Yngwie Malmsteen. So uh, another question was, what was your initial reaction to Varney's offer to bring you to America? So Yngwie says, he called me up and said he wanted me to come over and do a solo album. One week later, Ron Keel called me up and said he wanted me to join his band Steeler. And he goes, this band Steeler shit. <laughs> Actually, I received that call the very day I got home from doing the rehearsals and the Silver Mountain sessions. So I said, have you ever heard of the band Steeler previously? Yngwie says, no, I never heard about them, but I always had the intentions of joining any band in America, even though they may have been shitty, because I could play live and get exposure and eventually get a better gig instead of just doing a solo album and never playing live. So that's what I did. I joined Steeler for three months and started getting off with some other people. Phil Moog was one of them and all kinds of shit like that. So the interviewer says, did you find Steeler's material to be limiting? I think he, and his name is Ron Keel, cannot compose more than a turd. He's as musical as a turd. Know what I mean? Musically dead. He refuses to do metal. <laughs> he refuses to do melodies. It has to be one note like Cold Day in Hell or Backstreet Driver, and it's us mocking him. And this is what Yingve is talking about. So then another question later on is, what was your initial reaction to America? First of all, I want to say that I was so happy, so relieved that all of my efforts at last did work. I was working so hard with Rising Force, but nothing had really happened. I was doing all those demos and shit, and it never seemed to amount to anything. I was so relieved when things began happening. I started getting tons of fucking fan letters and stuff, and I didn't really care what I had to join a shit band like Steeler. I mean, Steeler is shit, but I didn't even care because the whole idea of being in America playing was, to me, so amazing. 
that I'd do anything to get there. However, I must say that the first impression I ever got of America was terrible because I lived in the same house as the whole band Steeler, and we lived in a very, very bad area with a lot of poor black people. We couldn't go out, and we couldn't get a hamburger after 9 o'clock without being afraid of getting mugged. And as the water tasted like shit, you know, it was a terrible experience for me. But later on, I found out that if you go to the right places in America, the people can be very nice. So I'm guessing Ron, I'm guessing Ingrid Malmsteen is not a fan of black people. Uh, you kind of read this article and laugh. Some funny shit. There's a lot more, but maybe we'll get to that at another time. Right now, it's time to get back into the music. Here's Blood Money with Stormer.
Carnival, World War Three and Four, from the files of things that should not be. Carnivore is, well, a version of Carnivore, and there's a lot of versions of bands like this today. They're out there playing again uh, as Carnivore AD. Uh, Mark, the guitar player, who joined the band much later on, he was on the second album, Retaliation. Uh, he was supposed to be in the show a few months ago. He never even told me he wasn't going to be able to make it because he was filling in with the Carnivore cover band on guitar. But when I spoke to him, he was like, he had, he had another band going. I don't even remember the name of it, Circus of something. Uh, I don't even recall, to be honest with you, uh, because he wanted to move on from the carnival thing. He didn't want to, like, be associated with that right now. He wanted to have a fresh start or whatever, I guess. So, meanwhile, he doesn't call in because he's rehearsing with the carnival cover band. You know, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous to play in a carnival cover band when you were one of the guitar players in carnival, even though he was the original guitar player that was Keith Alexander. And to me, that first carnival record was great. I loved it. I remember seeing them at Lemoore's and they were participating in the Battle of the Bands for the first time. And they were kind of a cross between Wasp, Carnival, uh, Wasp, Man of War, Virgin Steel, and bands like that. They were coming out in the loincloths uh, like Man of War used to wear. They were throwing meat out into the audience like Wasp used to do. Uh, but they were pretty cool, you know. They were, they were, they were a pretty cool three-piece band, and I, and I got into them, and I enjoyed that first record when it came out. After that, the whole crossover thing started, and Thrash and, uh, you know, hardcore punk were mixing together, and it was coming like, you know, the, the crossover scene was taking off. So, you know, Carnival went the route of, like, Anthrax and other bands. They abandoned what they were doing and what people liked, and they became a hardcore band or tried to become a hardcore band. All of a sudden, they went from hanging out at Lamore to hanging out at CBGBs. And I get it. I was into both music, and I appreciated both. Them, but I would never stop doing what I was doing to jump onto something else. And I'm getting off track here. I know that, but he was uh, he getting back to Mark. He was had another band going, and he went to go play with this Carnival cover band. The next thing you know, they become Carnival AD. And it's him who wasn't the original guitar, but people keep saying that he's the original guitar player. He wasn't. He was in the band for a short period of time, a couple of years. He wasn't even part of the later reunion, if I recall. You know that they they had at one time. Louis Beatrice, the drummer, is in there. The only original member of the original Carnivore. You got the second guitar player, Mark, playing guitar, and some guy who's like uh, like a piece still imitator. He looks just like him and performs like him on stage. And they're going out there and they're getting shows over in Europe, festivals. People are paying to see this. Now you know there are a lot of bands out there that I don't think should have gotten back together. But like one original member that really wasn't the most important member. That, I, listen, I love drummers. I'm a bass player myself. I'm part of a rhythm section. But my band could have went on without me for many years if I wasn't in there. It could have went on without a drummer for one in there. But when it comes to the, the singers of a band, it's kind of hard to replace the singer of a band, especially an underground band, and and you know have any success doing it. When I go to see Carnival live, I can do it without the original guitar player, the original drummer, but I want to see. Pete Steele performing, and that's not happening because he's not alive anymore. But these bands keep going on because they have no ambition or no ability to do something new. To you know, start it from ceilings and let it grow into something and make something out of it. They look for the easy cash out by getting involved, using the name of a band that they were part of. Some of these guys, like I says, weren't even a part of the original outfit. You know, they're going on. It's like it's like in a way like Riot. You know, it's Riot Five now, but there's not one original member of the band in there. There's nobody even from the middle of the road of that band. It's all later ever. There's one or two members. That's about it. Stuff like that just irritates me. I know every now and then I go on a rant and a rave about it, so I'm just going to stop. And we're going to get back to the music here. And we're going to make it an early night tonight. We're going to go for maybe another 15, 20 minutes, and uh, then we'll call it a day. Who do we have on the show next week? We have Joel Staff from this band called Leather Bitch. Matt McCourt from the Wild Dogs turned me on to them. They are a great young band 
who are bringing back the best of that classic 80s sound and power metal. We're going to have him on here next week. We'll talk to him. We'll play some music from the band. I think they are working on new material. If they have anything ready, I'll see if they want me to play. But if not, we'll play some of the older songs, which really aren't that old because they've only been around a couple of years. So we will do that. And uh, Krista Krunk from Tad Morose, he will be on the show next week. We got Krunk on here. So stick around. It's going to be a great one next week. Right now, how about some Eric Steele, Wanted Man?
Crank it up from the 1984 demo. You have to wonder what could have gone wrong with that band. They looked apart. The they were pretty good musicians. You had Jeff Martin on vocals. I mean, an amazing singer. He's got blasted the static going today, and that music sounds phenomenal. I hope that they get like a full a full length record out there. Uh, and Jeff's a really cool guy on the show a lot. Love talking with him. Rob Halford was behind this band and helped out with this demo tape. It just never happened. It just never happened for the band. And they had the music. It was so good. Crank it up. I know after they broke up, it was almost a whole different lineup, and Rick Fox was a part of it, but that band didn't go nowhere anywhere. That version of the band, I should say, did not go anywhere. All right, if you're bouncing around Blabbermouth, there's this debate going on again about who was the first death metal band. Was it Possessed or was it Death? 
Now, I don't know. You tell me who you think it was. I mean, they kind of, they always lean towards possessed. And I do get that. They did have death first. Seven Churches came out in 1985. And it wasn't until two years later that death put their first record out. But you got to remember, death was Mantis before they were death. And they were out around 83. Uh, possessed were out around 83. They both put demo tapes out throughout 1984. So does it kind of go to possessed because they were the first to release a record? I mean, I don't know how it really works. To me, they were both out around the same exact time. And, I, you know, these were the days when there was no internet. You had a band up in, you know, in San Francisco, California, a band down south in Florida. They probably didn't even know each other existed for a very long time. You know, back then, we only knew about bands from, you know, trading tapes and having pen pals and finding out. Yeah, I mean, even Metal Force, I don't think, came out until that year. And they didn't really get going with featuring a lot of this stuff until a few episodes later. It was a bi-monthly magazine, I believe. Well, it came out every two months. I don't recall uh, from back that far. But, you know, there wasn't a lot of attention to press. You didn't know a whole lot of these bands were unless you had a pen pal. That kind of, you know, you wrote it and they talked about music and sent you the demo tape. So I always thought it was Mantis. That was just my personal belief. Uh, but a lot of people say it's Possessed. So I don't know. You let me know who you think the first death metal band was. And uh, I guess you'll always be right because you are the guest. All right, but here's Possessed and Burning in Hell.
yeah. S.A. Slayer, Upon Us, The End, and before that, Kilowatt, All Hell Let's Loose. All right, everybody, thank you for joining me tonight. I want to thank Tasto for being a part of tonight's show. Pick up the brand-new Atrocity record. I will see you guys next Sunday night. For all my fellow Americans, you have a happy, happy 4th of July this Wednesday, and it's nice to have a day off in the middle of the week. And I guess I should thank England for letting us win that war. (laughs) And giving us the day off. I know letting us win the war is the right word to say, but we won the war and we got a free day off from work because of that. <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody. Let's wrap it up with Megadeth with We the People. Good night, everybody. Among the powers of the earth, the separate and the people's faith, which the Lord 